Do you have any jokes for me? No. Oh, I can better. I can look one up. No, no. I don't I don't want a pity joke from the internet. Thanks. <laughs> um Welcome to the Family Room Podcast. Systems thinking throughout the lifespan. Enjoy the show. This episode is titled Family, the original F word. Shout out to Spence for creating that. Thank you, Spence. That is a very accurate title. That is a very accurate statement. Family, the original F word. When they said that in treatment, I was like, that is so funny and so accurate. So accurate. Yeah. So we are now up. We are bought up. We're up on Spotify, major platforms, right? Yeah. So we, you know, we debuted a couple, you know, a couple days ago, put all of our episodes that are in existence up. And now we're rolling out onto all the major platforms. So now you can listen to us, hopefully on Spotify, Apple podcast. Okay. Um, but yeah, we are finding our way. And then you can always go to our podcast website. It's right now the family room podcast.podbean.com. We're hoping to get our own uh, designated website that you could go to. But in the meantime, yep. we're being hosted through Podbean. So if you're just joining us, my name is Nick. I'm a marriage and family therapist, and Sorry. I'm joined by my, <laughs> <laughs> by my lovely co-host, Hi. Kayla. Hey, guys. I'm Kayla, also a marriage and family therapist. Sorry, I was drinking coffee. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah we're the Family Room Podcast, here to talk about systems thinking throughout the lifespan, right? That's our tagline. That's our tagline, systems thinking throughout the lifespan. We are both systems thinkers and being systems thinkers has really changed, if I can speak for myself, the way that I view all relationships in this world, family, friends, partners, coworkers, all of those different relationships have been impacted or the way that I view all of them has been impacted by this idea of systems thinking. And so our job or our hope, I guess, is to bring that kind of awareness to you all because it's not, I don't know, what would you say, Kayla? It's not like the most common way to think about things or it's not. Yeah. It's not really prevalent in mainstream. Yeah. It's not as organic, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's good. Organic's a good word. Yeah. So I think that in general, in our country, we view problems as individualistic or pathologizing, I think that's slowly changing to identify that in inherent in systems. But ultimately, I think that when we think about problems and relationships, it's still one-sided. There's not really duality or interconnectedness to it. So our part of our mission is to be able to have people understand that, that problems or issues and relationships aren't in isolation. They're always embedded and connected to other relationships and other systems. Exactly. There's nothing that is just alone in isolation. Yeah. And no matter what, we're never alone. We're always in relationship to someone in particular, our family of origin. Right. We are always in relationship to our family, which is really interesting and can be really complicated for a lot of people. I mean, even ourselves from our own episodes that we just did, talking about ourselves, introducing ourselves. Yeah. So today, we good? Yeah. 
I think so. If you, okay. you know, if you didn't have a chance to listen to our introduction episodes, the Come yeah. Sit With Us Part 1 and 2, go back there up on the platform, review them, and then join us back here. We'll We'll wait. We'll give you some time. But not literally, just, you know, you push pause and then come back to us later. Right. Yeah. We're like, no, this, stop talking. No, we're just going to keep going, but you can pause and then come back whenever you're ready. To the to the listeners that Kayla and I usually try to meet in person, but life has just been so chaotic these past few yeah. weeks. We didn't want to delay recording as much, like recording any more than we had to. So every once in a while, we'll be meeting through Zoom to be able to get these episodes recorded and out there for you all. And when we have our guests on, we'll probably do the same thing just to make it easier for scheduling. Yeah. Our our main hope was to be together because, like we've said, the importance is relationships. And, you know, after COVID and everything, we are trying to get back into some sort of new normal of mm-hmm. being physically connected with each other in the same space. Cause energetically, that's where I don't know, that's where things feel great. Right. And, when we're living in this world of clinical mental health, where it's based in this medical model of someone has a symptom, you go to therapy to deal with the symptom. And then once the symptom is done or cured or healed, I'm using air quotes fixed, for those fixed. of you. Mm-hmm. Fixed. So I hear then you, so yeah. Then you stop treatment and then you go about your day and you are done. Whereas, you know, systems thinkers, marriage, family therapists, we're not trained in that medical model from the very beginning. I remember the first day of grad school, we started just talking about relationships and talking about dynamics that are cyclical and the cycles that we get into that felt really different. And I think, I can't remember if I talked about this in my interview, I don't have a psychology background. So when I was mm-hmm. in my master's program, it was really the first adventure into mental health and psychology and counseling and therapy. I I think that was a benefit for me because I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. I worry about people who have an undergrad in more like psychology or come from this clinical psychology background who try to go into marriage and family therapy or think about systems thinking and how that might be a a bigger paradigm shift. Well, so funny you should say that. <laughs> yeah. My major at Penn State was psychology, minor HDFS, which is human development and family studies, and obviously master of arts in marriage and family therapy. And with the medical model, and I don't know if it's the same in all universities, but psychology, the program there was wonderful. And the subtext was almost the more pathological, the better. So describing human behavior, almost like they weren't really humans. It was more of here are these case summaries that diagnosis, behavior, diagnosis, behavior, treatment, modality, right? Very clinical, very observatory very far away and so it and that in itself kind of bred this not condescension but this idea that that form of clinical treatment was almost better than right and so to understand that that isn't the case was eye-opening so we had a professor tom shore i love him 
he taught our intro to systems thinking and he did this demonstration where he stood in one circle and said this is individualized thinking how most of america sees pathology or issues and i'm going to step over into another circle and once i step over i can't you cannot unsee how it is right so you're going to transition to this completely different way of thinking but you'll never be able to take yourself back out of that and i think that stuck with me because i thought once I learned that, and we're going to talk about this today, that there is this idea of like non-summativity and interconnectedness, you can't unsee it. You are always in relationship. You're always connected to anything, right? To things bigger than ourselves, to animals, people, family, systems outside of yourself. And it doesn't, you don't go back. You're never in isolation regardless of how you feel. Yes. That is, I think that's a really beautiful exercise. And I think that's a great way to describe it. This piece of you can never go back to seeing things the way that you did before. Right. Like I think about that scene in the Matrix where it's like, can you take the red pill or the blue pill? And there are times that I wish I could, you know, take whatever pill and then not see systemic thinking, like see not see the systems at play impacting people and sometimes actively hurting people that yes come into our office and wonder like why am i so depressed why am i so anxious well they think it's an inherent problem within them and then the systems around them corroborate that evidence so you know when i worked in well, we both worked in community mental health when i interned in syracuse that pathological medicalized model was that People are ill. They come in. We offer this specific form of treatment as a tool, and it's very, you know, manualized. Which for and don't get me wrong, for many people that works, mm-hmm. and that is awesome. And you know, offering up psychiatric medication as another tool, which I am totally for as well. However, that was it. And then they were released back into the wild, put back into the world where these systems were. They were marginalized in these systems and repressed by them. And then it the cycle just started all over again, right? So it mm-hmm. was more just treating the symptoms and people thinking, oh, this pathology lives inside of me versus treating symptoms and doing work with the relationships around them. So I think about that in our work because we're even working with individuals, but couples and families, we're doing both. We're providing psychoed, we're providing symptom management, we're doing some exercises and interventions to help our clients understand and decrease the symptoms that they're dealing with. But we're also providing the systemic interventions of the all of this makes sense in the context that it's given. Right. That we can't we can't do anything about in our therapy session. Right. And so we have to find a way to help them live and understand these circumstances that like won't change overnight. Right. Or won't maybe not change ever. Maybe not change ever. Yeah. It's really one of the hardest parts of the job is to hold space for people and maybe normalize that this is this is your situation right now and maybe it will ever change and that's not inherent inside of you right exactly it's not a personal failing it's not something that is your 
problem in air quotes to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's something that is happening to you on a bigger level. Where do we start learning this view? Oh, back to family of origin. <laughs> oh, see what I did family. there? Family. Yes, I love it. Okay, so family of origin, foo, before we went on a tangent that it is probably related to what we're talking about today. but Super important tangent. <laughs> family of origin. So in my work, I usually use your biological family, the family that you were born into as your family of origin. It can also include caretakers, siblings, people that you grew up with, even friends that maybe one would see as a family member as well. And then in the future, we're going to talk about the difference between family of origin, our chosen family, family of choice. But systemic therapists, when we're thinking about your attachment style or the organization of your family unit, we think about family of origin. So who you, what family you were born into, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is the family that you're born into, that you grew up with. And the biggest thing about family of origin that can cause a lot of stress for people is that we don't get to choose our family of origin. No truer words have been said. However, we get to manage, and this is what Nick and I have been, we've been talking a lot about this, seeing this in therapy. We get to choose how we interact and react to those family relationships, particularly as an adult with autonomy. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about inherited anxiety and everything, but I wanted to outline that. One thing that I am going to talk a lot about, I am not a, (laughs) I'm a Bowen-informed therapist. I'm not. Yes. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Murray Bowen, medical doctor and therapist, He created Bowen Family Systems in the 1960s. We consider him one of our forefathers. (laughs) He's a pioneer. 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 There we go. In the family therapy movement. Yes. And so he had eight concepts. And we're going to, we can, you can look those up if you'd like. But we're going to talk about, in particular, some identifying concepts that he used. But some things that we talk about, like, tr- so he thought of, created the idea of triangles, differentiation of self, emotional cutoff, sibling position, societal emotional process, family projection process. So you can, yeah, you can definitely go online, Google search these terms. This will be really helpful if you are like a marriage and family therapy student who is getting ready for your licensing exam. Bowen is going to be all over that exam. So please look up his main tenets of his theory. But the big one that we interact with on a regular basis is like triangles, for example. And we do genograms with our clients and in supervision, but for systemic supervision, whether it's for marriage and family therapy licensure supervision or just consult consulting from a systemic lens a big part of it is you know us as the clinician presenting our own genogram of our family of origin to notice the intergenerational patterns the mm-hmm. multi-generational transmission that you know Bowen would say things like anxiety travels through the family until someone's ready to feel it to figure out what's coming up for us and the ways that our anxiety is being triggered by the clients that we're working with. And so doing that with our clients in session two 
to help them have a greater awareness of what's going on from their family of origin history, the anxieties, the things that are still alive with them, even if they're not directly connected to their family in the same ways. Yes. A genogram, for those who do not know, is a pictorial diagram of your family with shapes and symbols. And essentially, it shows how people are in relationship to each other. And you could very clearly see, and we could always put one on our website or our podcast website, Yeah, um, very clearly see what we call subsystems and hierarchy. So who's at the top of your family? Most likely grandma or grandparents. They're a subsystem. Parents are a subsystem, and then below them are kids. And we will go into further depth about these again in a future episode. You know, what's enmeshment? What is a cutoff? How is that impacting us? But this is just a little information for you to understand in advance. And Nick said, so triangles are important and differentiation of self in relationships. I mean, in any ability to understand yourself. It's a concept created by Bowen, and what it does is it is the effort of balance in thinking and feeling. So being able to know, understand, appreciate, and work through regulation, emotional regulation, and having that inform thoughts, feelings, and the ability to think logically, rationally, and hold on to that. And we're constantly balancing those things as well as understanding ourselves in relation to self and others. So how close are we to our family of origin in relationship to that? And how far away are we as an individual? One of the best, I guess, illustrations of that is when we move away from our family of origin, whether that be go to college or take the next step outside of the house. We're constantly going through this process of who am I? What do I value? What do I like? How am I thinking and reacting? by myself and how am I related to my family of origin? You know, am I going to keep certain values? How do I maintain appropriate distance, but also be close to them? How do I navigate holidays? That's the crux of it. The goal is to be able to see differentiation from a healthy place and find balance in confidence, essentially. Mm -hmm. Manage your own anxiety. God. Yes, differentiation of self is essential for for us to have healthy relationships with our parents and family as adults. Mm-hmm. And even as an adult, if you can effectively manage your differentiation, when you go back home to that physical space or you go back to that group of people, that family unit, that's still elicited. Those feelings, your role, all of that anxiety still gets tested, which is why we often hear, I need to prepare for the family holiday or or the holiday hangover, which is I come in and I thought I managed through the holiday, but really I just repressed a lot of reactivity or I fell back into that family role because that's how my family sees me or how I'm used to doing it. And then, and now I feel bad because I have that is part of me that that's not who I am, right? I go back there and I feel sucked into the family anxiety. Right. It's too hard to manage. And sometimes it's it happens so quickly that you don't know until you're halfway in it. Yeah. Yep. You hear things coming out of your mouth or the way that they're coming out, right? The tone. And you're like, I never really sound like this. This isn't how I act. Oh my God, what's happening? Right. 
Yeah. And then yeah. The, the, the ways we try to self-soothe and triangulate. So thinking about maybe you don't drink alcohol on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but at this family event, you just notice you're pouring your second or third glass of wine. And it's like, what what is happening? This isn't who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's the way of trying to regulate and self-soothe and cope with the stressors that you didn't even know were going to be stressors that bothered you. Didn't even know. Or another example is you're figuring out self in regards to different beliefs and you might be away from your family, but you're still in relation to them. So they could be an idea, a schema, the way you view the world, voices in particular. And you're trying to figure out, okay, do I like this? You know, I don't know, this religion or this religion or what fits for me. And there's a voice in the back of your head that says, well, you can't do that. That would be going against what you learned or going against who you are growing up or being motivated by guilt and not really knowing it, right? Oh, I feel guilty for going to this church service or whatever. That's your family of origin pulling at you, offering, right? So that's the reactivity of I need to figure out how I feel about something and how I logically can think about it while managing the fact that this is where I came from and those are their beliefs, but they might not be mine. Right. And they don't have to be. They don't have to be our beliefs anymore. Nope. We'll talk about that later, but there are (laughs) often dysfunctional family systems who absolutely do not want you to change because they want to maintain homeostasis, but they do it in a very poor method, a very toxic, dysfunctional way. So you end up thinking, oh, I'm the problem. You're not. But one thing that I, you know, I'm doing in my own life and I'm doing with clients that I work with is how do we figure out what the healthy striving is, what this person or what this what the person primarily is trying to get out of this relationship. And maybe the only way they know from whatever their family of origin, their genogram, their background, maybe the only way they know how to get close to you or how to get into homeostasis is in this dysfunctional, toxic way. Yeah, we say, especially with parenting, that that's good mission, poor method. Yeah, A good mission is I'm trying my best at any given time and hopefully driven by like love or connectedness, but the method may not always be good, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Before we get too far towards the end, I did want to talk about non-summativity because this was the Tom Shore in one to the other. And I'm just going to read it because I, it is important to me. The family as a whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The family is more than the members that comprise the family. The relationships and interconnectedness of its members make it different than the individual members. The only way that I can effectively describe this without reiterating that again and again is a tomato. (laughs) And they use this. Oh, do you know this? No, oh, I'm so okay. I'm so I mean, curious. You could pick really any vegetable or fruit, but the tomato was brought to me because we were reading scientific articles and empirically validated articles. But this the particular one was about non-summativity and homeostasis in the tomato. They were talking about breaking down amino acids or like bond, chemical bonds in the tomato. And if you think about it, there are different parts of the tomato. But they are connected and activated through, I'm doing a poor job, but 
through these chemical bonds, these transmissions, which create an energy in all in itself. Therefore, if you deconstructed the tomato, you would just have these random parts of a tomato, right? But if the tomato together intact is greater than all of the different parts individually. This is the core foundation of family systems in that when you take all individual members of the family, they're still in relation, but when you put them together to create a unit, it is more than the sum of its parts. It is greater than the sum of it. Every It sounds like every part of the tomato has a function, has a purpose, but mm-hmm. the only way for it to be a tomato is for it all to be together and connected. Right. I have a piece of the tomato. Is that a tomato? I mean, it's part of a tomato. Right. It's not a whole tomato. But it's not a whole tomato. And you need all of those parts to grow the tomato to be what it is. But Right. And that, the little stem connecting part as well. Right. Yeah. Can't forget about that. So the dynamic of the tomato is more than the individual parts. If you have more questions about that, you can let us know. I might not be doing it justice. But what I want you to see is that it's the idea of the family system being greater than just one person. Right. The interconnectedness. Okay. The interconnectedness that comes up. Two more things. One is that for us, we want you to be able to learn about and implement different ways of change in regards to your family of origin, if you want it and to normalize and validate that. So if you think, Oh, I'm coming from a dysfunctional system or I have a system that, you know, doesn't mesh with my personal beliefs or my levels of differentiation. How do I assess that and move forward and be my own person? Right. And then the other one, which, you know, maybe a BuzzFeed article, but more and more often we're coming across a generation of clients in treatment who are millennials and they are choosing to be different than their family. And so help we want to talk about that as well, helping support, understand inherited anxiety in the system. And again, how to choose to be different if that's what you want. Right. This is something that we'll talk about in its own episode later on about people who decide to go no contact with their parents or family members, because that's happening a lot more and more. I see a lot of TikTok videos about it. There's a lot more information now. People are coming out and talking more openly about the ways that they are going no contact with their family of origin. And it's just a really interesting idea because our belief as systems thinkers is we're always in relationship. And so even if we go no contact, how does that impact the ways that we're still connected? Mm -hmm. And how does that bring relief to the person who is suffering or struggling. And so it's a really interesting dynamic from a systems perspective. So we're going to talk about that more in depth in a future episode. Yes. But the big thing is like these concepts that we brought up today, you know, we just scratched the surface and we could talk about an example from our own lives and we could talk about case examples too that highlight each of these different tenets of family systems theory The biggest thing to take away is that these are things that are impacting our family systems on a day-to-day basis. These are things that have been proven. It's not just us saying this is what we believe. These are things that are validated and real. 
And I hope that by listening to us kind of bring up some of these topics of differentiation or triangulation or this multi-generational transmission, bringing these things up will give you some different insight into the way you have been impacted by your family of origin, the ways that you continue to see yourself as part of your family, be able to acknowledge the feelings that come up for you when you even think about calling a family member or going to a holiday event or noticing what happens somatically in your body and be able to tie it to some of these concepts that we've been talking about. Yes. So not just to understand, but also to provide some normalizing for you to know that you're not alone, that a lot of people, I mean, everybody is in relation to their family, but that a lot of people feel the same way that you do and are doing the work if you choose to, or just just even thinking about these concepts and being curious about it with your family. And I want to point out that a lot of the examples that we give are negative, and I don't, or maybe not negative, but they're issues because that's what we deal with. But there right. also is, you know, positivity in these family relationships and enrichment. And that's how we get our nurturing, our positive attachment, right? All of the, our love and our growth. So I don't want you to think, well, they just talked about that. But ultimately, because these are issues that we deal with on a daily basis, they're the things that we talk about the most. But it's a beautiful thing, the family unit. Yes. We sadly, because we're family therapists, more times than not, we are dealing with the mess of family systems and we're trying to untangle these dysfunctional patterns that come up for people. But I do this work because I know how powerful, close, safe, secure relationships can be. Mm -hmm. I have this hope that by communicating differently that families and relationships can become safe, secure bases with each other. I agree. And maybe I take, I'm probably way more cynical than Nick. So it's hard for me to, <laughs> I know all these things are true, but it is hard for me to like internalize some of this. For me, it's about being able to heal self in relation to other, regardless of other. So how do I put this? I want the people listening to know they're not alone. That their thoughts are valid, and to understand that, and we talked a little bit about this, understand mission and method and know, hey, family tried their best to do what they were going to do, and sometimes it wasn't right or it wasn't enough and it wasn't okay. And you can still do your own work and have a positive relationship with or without that family member physically in your life. So 100%. I really appreciate you saying that part because at the same time, yes, I love the idea of holding out hope that things can be different. And it reminds me of like that scene in Peanuts cartoon with Charlie Brown chasing after the football and Lucy pulls it away every time. Nobody should have to do that multiple times. Like no. our parents, people, us, right? Humans, we are allowed to say, I'm not participating in this cycle again. And that's okay. Yep. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do what I need to do to live the most healthy life I can have. I hope that's with you. And if it can't be, that has to be okay too. 
And also the understanding that things can change. So the dynamics of life are fluid and they move from different states. And so what is true now and how you experience relationships now might not necessarily be true in five years or 10 years. So there is that ability as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as we get ready to sign off for today, this is a lot of information we kind of just threw at you. This is a lot of information we started talking about that we could do full episodes on each one of these concepts. You know, Kayla, you and I studied these concepts for two and a half, three years and longer because we have our continuing education credits for our licensing and all of that stuff. So these are things that we have studied for years. We know the ins and outs of as much as we can, and we see them in practice, in motion every mm-hmm. day. Right. So we want to leave you with these are big concepts that you might need to chew on for a bit. But we hope, I hope, that just by listening to this episode, you your perspective will shift. That you won't be able to see things from an individual lens as much anymore. That you will be able to see oh, there is a lot more at play here than just this one piece of the equation. Yep. The We always in family therapy say the problem isn't within self, it's within the relationship. Mm-hmm. Word. Wow, that's one that should come back. I agree. Word. Okay. Word. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're Kayla and Nick, the Family Room Podcast. Yes, check us out on all the platforms if you get a chance to. Give us a five-star review on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be updating as regularly regularly as we can, bringing you all of the, I almost said all of the hot gossip about family <laughs> systems, but I don't think that that's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't at one real. point, at one point, we are going to deconstruct and do a genogram of the kardashians because i have so many clients they're like please do that so 100 percent gonna do that as an episode just want you to 100 so keep listening rate us review us we will be back hopefully soon um with some guests so that yes. you can get some different perspectives of how family systems work impacts different domains like different types of therapy different types of thinking so stay tuned Yeah, T2IM.